0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Image Doctors Photography Podcast. I'm Jason O'Dell.
1: And I'm Rick Walker.
0: Good to be with you, Rick. How's it going? Good. And uh, to all our listeners, thank you again for supporting our show. We know we got a few new Patreon supporters, so thank you so much. And as a reminder, our supporters do get access to our blog, to our bonus episodes, and some other stuff. So please check us out on uh, imagedoctorsphoto.com, so you can support this show and get more stuff. Yeah. We're going to have a new and- bonus episode coming out probably in the f- next week.
1: Yep, yep.
0: We've both been kind of traveling for different purposes, but we took pictures. So today we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been doing the last couple weeks, the last week or so, I suppose. You went farther than I did. True. Um, um, but before we get to that, uh, any other new announcements that we want to talk about
1: well um just a very quick thing there was a new Sigma lens that came out that's kind of interesting it's for sony and um l mount cameras
0: leica right
1: well it's panasonic oh, okay. out also so oh, okay you really want to say l mount all right um and it's an interesting one it's a beast it's a 14 millimeter 1.4 uh, lens it even has a built-in tripod mount, it's so darn yeah, beefy.
0: We're talking wide, but it's fast. Yeah. 1.4. Um, so clearly really
1: targeted to astro photography. Right. Night
0: sky kinds of stuff. That's their target. Yeah. Can you imagine it? So so yeah, what struck me? Well, there's there's kind of two things that struck me about this. Um I haven't dug into the specs. They definitely from the marketing stuff that I saw online. They're definitely targeting night sky photography. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one one thing that we've talked about in the past is that if you are serious about doing, you know, Milky Way stuff where you need relatively short exposures, and by relatively short we're talking under 30 seconds, then then aperture and focal length are everything. A wide fast lens is absolutely important because an f4 lens you're just not going to get in as much light and you end up having to do either very high isos or longer exposures that start introducing star trail motion um otherwise you're talking about setups that use like equatorial mounts and crazy stuff like that and which (laughs) most of us don't want to get involved with it right (laughs) so i just want
1: to take pictures
0: (laughs) so having something that's I would say at least an F2. I mean, F 2.8 can work, but if you've got like an F 1.8 or an F2 lens, it provides you the ability to stop down a teeny bit to get better corner, less fall off in the corners. And then you run into like, you know, these optical aberrations that the astro people, you know, get all into about, you know, coma and stuff like that. But, but from the casual person, um, the casual person, that's not a, um, a a major concern but this what struck me about this was the sheer size of of this lens it it weighs um like two and a half pounds or something like that it's it's a beast 1170 grams
1: yeah so more than one kilogram
0: so it's over two pounds it has a tripod foot although it does have a built-in arca swiss a yeah, dovetail on it which is a for cool them. feature which which is something that i'd like to see more of that's nice yeah. um obviously, it's
1: about 100 millimeters by 150 millimeters so about four by six inches that's that's a beast you know so and, and it's got one something of those bulbous front ends where you can't directly attach filters right, right
0: um i wanted to but so so here's the interesting thing and this is just sort of a little side note because i saw this i was just reading the 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 story from from uh you know bnh had their little marketing um you know their marketing story right Mm -hmm. and um it was talking about the fact that this is a sigma lens and one of the things they mentioned was the decision by sony um i guess 11 years ago now to to make their lens mount public Mm -hmm. um and you know, to open to open their lens mount specs to third party manufacturers. And as a result, there are a lot of third party lenses available in in Sony mount. Yeah. Uh, more so than probably any other manufacturers by and, far. And so, you know, um you know, apparently they were saying something like, if you um I don't remember where they they said that but anyway i mean the the point being is that it's a huge advantage in my opinion for manufacturers to to allow third-party lenses and the because there's still going to be advantages to the ones that they make too it's Mm -hmm. just having different options and different choices and certainly different price points and it's it's kind of like this antiquated and antiquated (laughs) antiquated protectionism right they're protecting their own but are they really helping their bottom line by closing off their you know recently Nikon has certainly allowed Tamron some some access to the mount design and that's a positive thing but there's only a couple of lenses they're not really out yet Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of lenses by these other companies like Sigma Tamron whatever that could probably be immediately adapted over to these other mounts yeah You know, given the, I I don't know what Canon is doing. I haven't really paid attention there. Um, They've
1: been very protectionistic, even worse than Nikon, actually. And it's not the right.
0: Well, when we go back to our comments and, you know, where systems these days are really about the system and the lens choices. You know, we've talked about this, you know, with the crop sensor, but it's true with all the, all of them. You know, the more lens choices you have, if you're truly an enthusiast, you wanna have these choices. So it's a good choice. Now, um, one one thing is that um it's uh it's not an inexpensive it's a sixteen hundred dollar lens according to the pre-order at B and H. And like you said, it has that bulbous front element with a fixed hood. So you have kind of a cap that goes on. So this is very much a specialty lens. Um I think you said that there's some alternatives that might be...
1: There, there's know. a Sony 14 millimeter 1.8 same kind of front element but definitely smaller and lighter. It's about the same price.
0: Okay. Yeah, you pay but, for these. I mean, you do.
1: It's still a specialty lens, but personally if I were getting a lens like this to use for Astro and keep in mind I already have the Samyang, Samyang, however you want to pronounce it <clears> thing <throat> It's in a Canon EF mount that I can put on just about anything, and that's very satisfactory for me. If I didn't have that and I was wanting something auto focused also mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I'd probably go for the Sony just because it's smaller and lighter, mm-hmm. and it's also a very good lens and 1.8. Like you were talking about earlier, that's in the zone. So for me, I would yeah do something smaller and lighter. But I think this is cool.
0: I mean, there if will you're be
1: people if- that like it yeah and if your your sole purpose
0: is going out at night and this is what you do and you get out milky way shots and you're setting up on a tripod then maybe this lens is a good a good choice it's certainly not a walk around
1: lens that's for sure no and 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 14 is so wide i mean it's well i like doing the astrophotography on occasion like the stuff that we did in eastern utah um i don't do it often enough to warrant something like this so at least to me it appears very much like a specialty thing but I think it's great to have those options. Mm-hmm. And Definitely. as someone that's got a Sony system, I do own several signal lenses and a mm-hmm. Tamron lens. And they're really nice, unique lenses that Sony does not make. And it just it increases the spot. desirability of the overall system.
0: You're right. I think that's the point. Anyway, this, this lens is available, I believe for pre-order right now. Not sure when it will actually show up, but you can take a look at that. We'll put a link out to it. um, For those who are interested um, out on our blog. Um, So we were both out, out traveling last week. And let's start with you, Rick. Uh, Where were you at?
1: Well, my wife and I went to Quebec along with another couple that we've known for a long time. They, Um, They don't live in Colorado, so we don't get to see them except maybe once a year or so. And we spent our time in two cities. First one was Quebec City, where there were four nights. And then we were in Montreal for four nights. Nice. Took the train in between them. And we just had a blast. Lots of walking. Yeah. (laughs) Got got the miles and steps in, that's that's for sure. But it was just delightful. And uh, both cities were fun. I think if if I were only gonna do one, which would be frustrating because I enjoyed both, but it'd probably be Quebec. Um just really pretty, really nice. More very Quebec.
0: European from the photos I've seen.
1: Um yeah, the, the central core right, the, definitely the feels build. that way. You know, right. it's it's one almost one of those things where you're In the in that environment, and you briefly think, "Where in the world am I?" (laughs) So
0: were you doing some architectural shooting, street shooting? I mean, it was casual. I realized you were kind of on a vacation. It
1: truly was. The way I would describe it is, I was doing what a lot of people might do with a cell phone, only I was using a camera, you know, a real one.
0: And what camera was that? Because we it was a
1: Fuji X Pro Three. Okay, I think they just discontinued without a replacement so far, but it's a neat little camera. It's now moderate size, moderate weight. Um, but it has both an EVF and an optical viewfinder, which Mm -hmm. is kind of interesting. You just throw a switch and go between the two. Is that an interchangeable
0: or a fixed lens? I forgot.
1: Interchangeable. Okay. That's the same. Oh, that's right. The X pro. Yes. Things like an X T five or whatever. And I just took three little lenses with it, a 16-millimeter 2.8, which is like a 24-millimeter, a 23-millimeter F2, which is like a 35, and then a 50-millimeter F2, which is like a 75. So not exotic focal lengths, but very practical. And those worked out great for me. I was able to do what I wanted to do with them. Um, I wasn't feel like, I didn't feel like I was missing things. And no matter what lens I had on the camera, it was just incredibly agile and light. I ended up just using a wrist strap on the camera. I had a shoulder strap, never used it. And it it was just a blast. And and the thing about that camera is it's a controversial one. A lot of people didn't like what Fuji did with it, especially the LCD on the back. It's very weird. (laughs) It's normally closed. You don't see anything. And it it only flips down, but if you're out shooting like I was and doing things like maybe candid shots in a market, which I did, it's so easy and fast. You just flip it down. People don't even know you've taken a shot, you know. That's so cool. it's it's just really discreet and it doesn't look big and imposing, and it's just super fluid to use. Just a pleasant camera and. I didn't want all sorts of automation and stuff for that kind of shooting. I don't need it. I don't want it. And uh, it was perfect. Well, do it again I, in I heard
0: the magic words again. I'm hearing smaller and lighter and easy to use. It's, yeah. it's yeah. just nice when you're traveling like that, especially when it it's is. not a dedicated photography trip. You know, no, you but, weren't on photo you know, safari. So you're with your
1: family you know, and friends. Yeah. But, could but you have- want
0: better pictures.
1: It would have been easy to have done more. It's just the group dynamics wouldn't have been right for that.
0: Right. Right. No, that's what I mean.
1: It's like, yeah,
0: you went with something that worked for your situation that you were in because you weren't there on a photography trip. You were
1: there, you know, bottom line, would I recommend those destinations. Absolutely. Just delightful, wonderful, nice people. Um, The food was great. Um, Lots of interesting things to see and do. Just very very pleasant.
0: Cool. Well, wow, it sounds like that. And was... I'll,
1: I'll do a follow-on article for our blog, just getting into some of the shooting and workflow nice. and equipment stuff a little bit more.
0: Very nice. Well, I was a not.
1: New bag that was cool.
0: I, I was, was not in the bag. land of um, fine dining.
1: <laughs> no, you were not. <laughs> you were not. But no, we, we. You but... were in the place where it's hell on earth in terms of dining
0: yeah it really really kind of can be can be tough but i took my group i i met a I had a workshop group we did a safari in south dakota badlands mm-hmm. one of our favorite spots uh-huh. but the 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 catch this time was that it was all really infrared shooting at least for the safari you know the photo safari right. part it was it was intended to go and it was a very different approach because while we could have gone out for twilight we chose not to because that was quarter to five every morning Mm -hmm. blue hours at 4 30 4 40 and that's just painful and then you got 15 and a half hours of daylight so you don't have evening blue hour until 9 p.m it's just just those days are are brutal the, the south dakota badlands is a wonderful place to photograph but if you go this time of year which is very pretty um just it if you try to do suns- sunrises and sunsets, you just get, get crushed. So we did we did morning shooting and a little bit of afternoon shooting. And we changed it up a bit by doing um, not only stuff inside the National Park, which is nice, you know, the rock formations, the erosion. Mm-hmm. And we, had, we were very blessed. We had good clouds. Um, but we did a photo walk and wall where they've got the railroad and the old, you know, uh, grain elevators and things like that. Um, and we have some cool puffy clouds which make those mm-hmm. dramatic. You know, you can do those mm-hmm. Ansel Adams black skies are easy with something like 720 infrared. Um, and then we did some other shooting in like some old abandoned buildings, you know, these towns that are and they're not completely gone, but they're, you know, you come into town population nine on the sign. Sure. And there's old abandoned brick buildings and, you know, sort of dilapidated churches and some of them are blocked off, but it was great. I mean, my clients just loved it. We had so much fun. Um, Went to some stuff doing old buildings. We had a diversity of subjects, not just the, the infrared landscapes and each day was like a little road trip. We'd stop along the side of the road. We'd take some shots, move to the next spot. And, and so we got in a lot more locations than i would have done just simply doing the sunrise sunset approach in the past where you know because middle of the day light in south dakota can be really challenging especially if you don't have clouds to work with so infrared was great um whereas if we had been doing visible we would have shot you know maybe for an hour or two at the very crack of dawn and then been done for most of the day yeah so it was cool It it was fun and i was using the um Nikon Z six that we had converted um by Kalari Vision to do full spectrum. And then I had a I had that array of rear magnetically mounted clip-in filters, uh, so I could get different looks. And I shot all three. I shot I shot 720, I shot 590, I shot some IR Chrome, and each one is different.
1: Did you have a favorite or did you just kind of like the mix?
0: I liked the mix mostly. I leaned towards 720 again because we like that look although there were what i found and this was interesting when we were shooting the rock formations that had green grass on because this was you know early june it's pretty Mm -hmm. green out there if you shoot that in monochrome infrared like a 720 and up filter you know 720 or 780 or even 800 Mm -hmm. the skies are dramatic the rocks are dramatic but you completely lose any contrast with the the green because the the light colored clay and the and the green grass goes white and you really don't Both see it them, huh? and so so you're not seeing yeah, the yeah. you know and and so what i did was for a few spots i went to 590 because then the color really popped and, you know you get these strong colors and yeah and i've tried processing a couple different ways you know channel swapping or not but it, it, i went with almost a a low saturation contrast kind of look higher contrast dramatic but a little bit of color still left in and that allowed those those tones to show up so you could see the patches of grass and mm. and stuff on on the rocks and that worked and then other times boy ir chrome was just cool yeah and just everything goes red
1: that's one yeah that's where foliage goes red it looks and, like um, satellite photos or whatever—it's red
0: foliage and blue sky or cyan sky, depending on how you choose to white balance it. And that—that um, that was look. a fun. Lo- it's a fun look, and it's also pretty easy to process. It doesn't require any specialized, you know, infrared white balance profiles. You can do it right with normal white balance settings. Um, they're weird white balance settings, but they—they're—they're they're pushed to the daylight you know, the crazy warm rather than things that aren't attainable with IR where you need to go below 2000 Kelvin. Right. So these are like white balance settings around 20,000 Kelvin, right? But products like Lightroom and capture One, they have color profiles, they just work. So it's not, it's very easy to do and it's a wild look. Sometimes it's, it's very cool, but yeah, we had a really fun time doing that. Got lucky with the clouds and so it was great. Um, then we got back and so here we are we want to talk about a photographer in and, a different context
1: related to what both of us inde- independently did on wednesday night here in colorado springs right um, we we got out of the house <laughs> <was like> a, <laughs> no. no and
0: i haven't been to a real concert in a, in a really long time i you know you know i don't, i don't i pick and choose i'm picky about my concerts but mm-hmm. this particular one um, it, it was, it, it was, I felt like it was a mandatory thing. And we went to see Ringo star
1: and his all-star band
0: and his all-star
1: band. Oh my God. Uh, was it good?
0: It, it was one of the, I mean, it was great to be at a concert again, but it was in a relatively small venue here in Colorado Springs, you know, the, the, the orchestra hall kind of thing. Um, so you're fairly close. Um, but my goodness, I mean, Ringo's going to be like what, 83 and, pretty mm-hmm. soon and he still he still delivered um but his band was just made up of all these wonderful um fantastic uh group all of which were headliners in their own own right mm-hmm. so it was it was outstanding to see you know i didn't think we would get to see edgar winter but he played you know if you're so if your jam was like and steve Lukather for, from toto or... yeah if your jam was like late 70s you know 70s and early 80s you know kind of rock it was it was one of the best concerts i've seen in a really long time yeah it was and, and ringo just... wasn't pretentious or anything in fact he let those other guys play their hits and just sat back and delivered on drums it was wonderful yeah, if you
1: get a chance to see them i would strongly recommend it, it really Seated my expectations in every way. Colin Hay
0: from Men at Work was there. Yeah, so I mean, it
1: was, it was wonderful. It was really white good. Band.
0: Yeah. So if you're into that kind of Hamer stuff, Stewart. Yeah. you know, yeah. Hamish Stewart. I mean, it was all, all really good. They sounded great. You know, it's your, your, your thing, but obviously we're here to talk about photography, but Ringo happened to be a photographer.
1: Yeah.
0: Ringo likes to do art. He actually did a lot of painting. He had a quote. He says, I, I used to paint. A lot more. And then I got kind of busy in the sixties. <laughs> <laughs> what that was, but what a lot of people didn't know may, may or may not have known is that Ringo was kind of the, the band's unofficial photographer. He took a lot of pictures in that period of, of just in the studio on tour of fans in their cars. Uh And he had a lot of photos. And so he went through and he did this. And at one point there's even a, he did a selfie of himself in the mirror with some kind of Nikon F camera, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he published a book a while back um, called, you know, photograph, which is also one of the titles of his songs, his solo songs, um, which, which they did perform by the way. So it was, <laughs> there was a tie in mm-hmm. there. Um, and so um, he did a lot of photography and it's cool just to take a look. Cause it was, a, it's, it's the Beatles and that era of, but from inside, <laughs> from the inside looking out. And and that's right. very cool. He has some really good shots of, you know, like Paul and John in the studio. Or he was just capturing images of them and, you know, good light. And he, it's pretty good photography. He did some good work. He's got an eye.
1: That's for sure. Mm-hmm. A lot of creative people gravitate to toward photography, toward music. And then sometimes those two things come together. It's, it's fairly common. It, it was kind of cool.
0: So our, our photographer who you may not have known about for this week is none other than Ring of Star, And uh, so check that. I, you, I think you can get his book on Amazon for about 30 bucks or something,
1: yeah, unless you want the, the
0: signed there. version. And then that's kind of expensive, <laughs> So,
1: but definitely go see them if you have a chance.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I haven't the had the that friends that, that we were traveling
1: while. with in Quebec had seen them a few years uh, ago before the pandemic just raved about it and i can see why
0: well the person in front of us was at her 20th ringo star show oh my gosh and was a total fanatic and she, she said we were t- chatting with them um before the show and she says just forgive me i brought a sign i'm going to hold up my sign <laughs> um and she did and ringo saw it and he pointed at her and he pointed her he called her out he pointed he acknowledged which was very cool because they don't always do that that's uh yeah it's nice to get a little fan interaction. So, anyway, very nice. Um, did we miss anything, Rick? The forgetting? I think that's anything? it. Okay. Again, um, thanks to all our Patreon supporters, imagedoctorsphoto.com. From there, you can get to our blog articles, our premium articles. That's where we post our uh, videos for our um, uh, bonus shows, which are you get to see our, our faces. Um, but until next time.
1: Maybe Happy we shooting. We could charge more if there were an option to not. <laughs> right. Well,
0: that's what this is about, right? Uh, yeah. It
1: didn't, doesn't really work then.
0: Oh, okay. well. Happy shooting, everyone. Enjoy right, your week. Bye bye.